Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is liz this is heather This week's episode, we are diving deep into the vault of our childhood to come up with some of our very favorite books that made us who we are today. All right, let's hit that music. Right, we decided to get back together to talk this week kind of about some book series that really kind of inspired us, especially as children and teens, preteens. How old did you go when you did your research? Uh, I kind of went back to like I would say my tween years. I didn't go too far into the deep dive, but uh, that's really I mean, I always loved to read from the time that I could. I was literally reading everything, shampoo bottles, the back of God knows what, when you're just sitting around doing nothing, it, it didn't matter. Um, so that was really the time that, that that just became kind of a voracious thing, reading everything and anything that I could. So I would say probably in that 10, 11-year-old range. How about you? Yeah, I did a little bit younger than that for a couple of them. But yeah, then as I got through elementary school and some into junior high, I realized while I was doing this research that, you know, when you got to that age where you're too cool for everything, apparently I was too cool for books because it doesn't seem like I read a lot in late, you know, maybe 10th through 12th grade. Just didn't really read a lot. I did. Except for what they made me. Yeah, I did. But it was more like every Stephen King book on the planet, that kind of thing. So it wasn't what we would consider now like young adult type books. I think I much I much more read those in my like tween early teen years. Yeah. All right. So you just want to kind of go back and forth with ones that we came up with? Yeah, sure. I don't have a full on list with me. I'm just winging it a little bit. All right. <laughs> well, one of my earliest like series that I loved and this was when I was dead in elementary school. I mean, just really early it was called Wayside School is Falling Down. It was a series and uh, by Aaron, or I'm sorry, Louis Sakar. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But did you ever read that? They were just like goofy, goofy. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was a series. And I would say, think maybe third or fourth grade. But like every time a new one of these books came out, we all just had to read them. But I don't remember ever purchasing them, so I think it was like library grabbing them. But everybody in my class had read it. It was goofy. It was funny. That's all I remember about it. (laughs) I'm sure if I read it now, I'd be so bored. Right. 
you know, you think that, but I've actually gone back and reread a couple of these things that I used to really like and eh, still love them. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would say around around that same time frame, kind of that same age, I was reading a lot of Beverly Cleary books, like the Ramona yes. series. Yeah, I have the Ramona series on my list because those were so, uh, what's the word, quintessential to just my childhood. I loved all of them, even though Ramona was kind of a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. I bought uh, Ramona, Ramona the Pest uh, a couple of years back in like a large print format for my oldest niece and tried to get her to kind of read it with me. And she never really would get into it. She thought it was really boring. And I was reading, I was like, Jesus Christ, this kid's a fucking brat. Like, <laughs> I know it was one of those things where, oh, yeah, you're annoyed with your little sister. We all are. And then, well, yeah, you have actually every reason to be annoyed here because this is annoying. Yeah, it's it's funny as I when I read it as a kid, I absolutely identified with Ramona, right? Like she was around ish my age. She was probably a little bit younger, but not by a lot. So I was I was much more inclined to, you know, to see her stuff and listen to her stuff and whatever. And that was fine. But going back and reading it as an adult, you're like, poor Beezus. Like, she just put up with the biggest yeah. bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Remind me, is Beezus like her name? Or is that what they just called her? I think that's what they called her. I think it may have been like Beatrice. But I'm not 100% sure. I got rid of the yeah. book a while back. So. This I remember that she was expected to take care or, you know, basically be in control of her little sister, Ramona. Yeah. And but yet uh, and she was somehow responsible for every piece of shit thing that Ramona got into. It's like, you know what? She actually didn't choose to have Ramona. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like it's right. And and I think honestly, I think that was really very telling of the time period. Right. Like. Kids were much more independent than they are, I would say, today, or at least a lot of kids are today. Like we had a lot of kids that were latchkey kids at a very young age because both of their parents worked. I had several friends who were five, six years old, came home from kindergarten and basically kept themselves all day long. And then as they got older and they had younger siblings, they were expected to basically be the parent type figure for these kids when mom and dad weren't around and sometimes when they were. And I, you know, I don't know that that happens as much today, but it's really unfair. Like, as an oldest child, I will tell you that is incredibly unfair. Yeah, I mean, same with me. I had to do the same thing, except for I was far enough apart from my sister that we didn't have a lot of overlap because I was in the sixth grade when she was in the first grade. Mm. Yeah, my brother and sister and I are closer in age than that, but... But yeah, yeah, I mean, but my mom, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of years, so it wasn't that bad on me, but I had a lot of friends who were basically 100% responsible for their siblings a lot of the time. And and again, when you're the kid, that's not that's not really all that awesome. Talking about Beverly Cleary, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite books that she did, which was the Dear Mr. Crenshaw or her Henshaw, Henshaw. Was it Henshaw? Hen I don't remember that one. It, it was Henshaw. I think that I remembered it because it was my first time that I was reading a book. And so there's a point where she, he's just writing his favorite author. And he's having mm -hmm. this is it was a boy and I forgot his name, but he's having a problem with his parents divorce. And so he decided to write his favorite author about it. And his author would write back, but it would kind of be really short, very um, 
not curt, but, you know, pleasantries aside type of thing. Um, okay, glad. I'm glad you're right. You know, sometimes people, instead of just consistently writing their author, write this stuff in a journal. And <laughs> as when he's replying to it, and that was when I was reading it going, oh, yeah, he's annoyed by this kid sending him all these letters. And then I thought, you know what? That is a great, great way of writing it because they didn't go out and tell you that that was the case. You had to uh, interpret the 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 reading back, and I thought that was really cool. And I thought, why why isn't he understanding that that's what Mister Henshaw is saying to him? Right. <laughs> but it was a cute it was a cute series. I the it was like a lot of them that the very first book was the best of the whole series. Mm-hmm. That was pretty, that was pretty common for a lot of these. Yep. Now, this next series, everybody was reading it in my school. And every series that came out, we were all reading it and passing it around. And it was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Did you read those by Alvin Schnortz? Mm -mm. I read the Are You Afraid of the Dark? But that's a different one. I think that was R.L. Stein. Yeah, yeah. I've got some R.L. Stein on this. So no, I don't know that. It's funny. You and I grew up around the same time. You know, we're just a couple of years apart in age, but we grew up regionally very different. So it's it's interesting to like hear what, you know, you were doing in Utah versus what I was doing here in Texas. And I don't know. Yes. And I'm going to get into some propaganda bullshit in a second (laughs) because... I was doing some like, okay, what were some of the big books and some of the big books that I was reading? And then I was thinking about one of them and I was like, you know what? That might not be one that everybody read. So I did some Googling and I was like, well, son of a bitch. All right. So I'll tell you about that in a second. Okay. But that one's more uh, junior high. Mm -hmm. Uh, But scary stories to tell in the dark. They were were just uh, funny little real short stories in a book. They had really kind of gruesome uh, little illustrations, and I remember there was there's one about uh, don't you ever laugh as the hearse goes by? You're going to be the next to die. There's a little poem in there. Mm. It was scary, but scary for elementary school or you know less than junior high age. Right. Well, it's like terrifying, but kind of cute in the same way that they did a lot of these kind of things when we were kids. Yes, and then I'd say that the generation after us. Um, got goosebumps from these. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was very similar to the Goosebumps series. I met the author, or not the the artist that did the Goosebumps paintings. Very good guy. Yeah. Anyway, I forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I think my sister was. She's five years younger than I was, so she read more of the Goosebumps things like that than I. I, I didn't read any of those. But yeah, I'm with you. Like. And I think that was around the time that like garbage pill kids were really big, the yeah. cards, the collector cards. And so we were all kind of into kind of gross out stuff, I think, at the, at that age. So yeah, it's interesting that they would take horror stories and make them more appropriate for children. But I mean, again, that's, that's kind of what we were all into at the time. I know, because remember, Nickelodeon also had like a television show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yep. It was very similar. So this kind of had a... Oh, it was scary, but it wasn't like Tales from the Crypt scary. It was scary appropriately. Yeah, age-appropriate scary. (laughs) Age-appropriate scary. They were so much fun, though. And um, the the creepy drawings really added to it. But we would pass these books around, and we would reread them and reread them, and they all looked like crap by the time. Of course. By the time the year was up. Yeah, we, uh, we had a 
just kind of a family tradition at our house that Friday nights we would go out to dinner, like every Friday night. And it was usually like the Luby's cafeteria or something, but it's in the mall. And at that time, our mall also had a couple of bookstores in it. Yeah. And so pretty much after dinner, every Friday night, we would end up in a bookstore. Now, my parents didn't buy us a lot of books. Like we had to really kind of beg and plead and borrow to get the, to actually get a book to take home. But they'd let us sit in that bookstore and read for like hours. And this is long before Barnes and Noble was setting up comfy chairs. I'm talking, I'm sitting on the bottom of an actual bookshelf, like in the very back of the store where they had all the kids stuff. And I'm just like reading through all of these books that my parents aren't going to let me buy. And like trying to remember where I was if I don't finish it, you know, so I could come back and read it again next week. And We had two bookstores at our mall. And so, again, we've talked about me growing up in Utah. Mm-hmm. So there was Walden Books, which is just yep. a normal book chain. We had that one. And then the other one was Deseret Book. And this was books that – it was a Mormon bookstore. And they still had a lot of books that, you know, most people can read, but they definitely were sanitized. Right. And – also, that's where you could get your Bibles and your mm-hmm. illustrated Bibles and things like that. Yeah, we we had the Waldman books. We had a B. Dalton was the other bookstore. And then we had we did have like a Christian Lifeway bookstore where you could go in and buy your, your Jesus stories and your Bibles and whatever. Yeah. We did not yeah. go in that store. <laughs> yeah. Well, it generally had the same stuff except for there was just an extra like super Jesus-y section. Uh, ours was an actual like Christian bookstore in that one, but, but no, like, so, so yeah, we used to, I love that. I still love going into bookstores and I still walk out without buying anything 90% of the time, but I always enjoy just the process of being there and seeing what's around and touching book spines and things like that. So, yeah, I do too. There's actually, yeah, there's a, there's a copy. Our, our Barnes and Noble has this and Paul and I have both been just like staring at this book and coveting it and really wanting it. And I think if they had the companion book to it, similarly, we would own it. And it's it's a copy of The Lord of the Rings, but the cover is like moleskin. Oh, nice. It's really cool. Like, it's just this beautiful, beautiful copy. But they don't have a version of The Hobbit with the same cover. And we're like weirdo completionists for that. Like, if we're going to buy something, it needs to match. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I, until they release that, we do until not Until they release it. the whole set. Yeah. I just bought the uh, illustrated, all of the doctor, doctor number 12, his first mm-hmm. year's comic books. And they put, they bound it in this beautiful book with this oh, painting awesome. on the front. And I'm like, all right, we're just going to get that because it's a coffee table book. <laughs> yeah, I got one for Christmas that I had put on my Amazon wish list. And it was um, the women of Star Wars or the women of the galaxy. So it was just artwork done with all of the women female star wars characters throughout the canon and it's it's beautiful it's on my coffee table as well but anyway so so the next one that i want to talk about it author and series was judy bloom oh yes now, i think i read everything i could get my hands on probably in the you know third fourth fifth grade that was judy bloom so yeah tales of a fourth grade nothing super fudge are you there god it's me margaret like all of these books that were just Kind of that defining age because, you know, I I hit puberty really young. So all of these books were like right in my wheelhouse, especially that, you know, poor Margaret and her shit story. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually and I knew of Judy Bloom and a lot of my friends enjoyed Judy Bloom. 
never got into her. I love Beverly Cleary, hmm. who I would say is young, excuse, younger than Judy Bloom. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think I read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Or maybe I rejected it because I was in such a religious town. I assumed that it was. Oh, yeah. maybe. They may have banned it. It would have been in that. You no, know, I don't cover. think it was banned. People were definitely reading it, but I probably assumed that it was like some Mormon literature. Bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the title would, would make that seem yeah. plausible, I think. But no, I really, I really love these books. I love the Super Fudge books and the Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing was the first in that series. And I just love this this um, dynamic between the older brother, whose name I don't even remember, and his little brother Fudge. I don't yeah. remember his real name either. They weren't important. <laughs> it's, it's sounding very familiar. Did she also do the one about mice? There was a mice one. Not Stuart Little, mm. but like a grown-up more... Maybe? Mousy one, a mouse. Mouse, like I'm looking. I'm looking at her list on uh, on Amazon right now. It could now. have been uh, uh, Cleary, though. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't like Blubber is one of hers. There was. There's a couple others that, um, otherwise known as Sheila the Great. Like I read all of these. I don't remember them all now at 42, but I absolutely like the the titles. Oh yeah, I read that. I don't remember what it was about, but. I did read it for sure. Yeah, but that's what's so nice, though, about books at this age. A lot of things that you remember day to day at this age is not too common. Or you'll remember stupid stuff and you won't remember big stuff and things like that. But the feeling you get when you think about these book series is very special. And so that's why I think that a lot of people hold Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom like close to their heart just for that reason. Even if they couldn't even tell them the characters in their books, they just remember that comfort from these series. And especially when they repeated when it came out, it gave you some stability as a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, this, this, these kind of books I think have inspired my creativity as a writer to want to, like, I I've always said that I would love to write a, a series of children's books for adults. So they're like kids books where they're very simple and easy to read, but they're about like more adult situations like Tammy's first breakup or you yeah, know, yeah. Uh-huh. Bob gets caught stealing at work or I don't I don't know something. Uh, everybody pukes like just these random things that I think would be highly entertaining. Yeah. Um, so maybe one day. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love these books. And they again, I don't remember a lot about them, but I know that they were very important to me at these formative years. And I think having these type of series in my life is what's led me to become that this almost rabid reader that I am today. Like I think I did eighty two books last year, and that was that was probably my biggest my biggest year ever. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I think the year before that was forty, and that was the biggest year. You know, so like every year I'm striving to push a little bit further. I've been a part of several reading challenge groups for the last couple of years. And that's, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses has really inspired me to keep moving forward. And so we're actually running one this year. We have our Nerdy Bitches Book Club reading challenge that we're doing. And it's awesome. Like everybody's been in there and participating. And even if you're not a huge reader and you don't read a lot, I really just hope that it inspires you to at least read one more book. Yeah, just, just one. It doesn't it doesn't have to be like I know somebody was like, I only read nine books last year. I was like, that's nine more than a lot of people read. Yeah, I know a lot of grownups who do not read books at all ever. I know it's kind of it's kind of weird to me, especially kind of makes me um, sad since we count audiobooks. like just go ahead and read yeah. it. Like, 
I mean, we count audiobooks. Yep. If you have a commute, you can listen to a book. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, somebody so, somebody mentioned something in our group when we were discussing the audiobook thing. I think in the past I've probably been more of a that doesn't count as reading, but I I absolutely believe it does because that's how we consume data, digital. Yeah. You know, this is just what we do. But somebody in our group made a, a really excellent point that I hadn't even thought about is that to not consider audiobooks a book is is completely ableist thinking. Yeah. So it's it's very much, you know, a discriminatory kind of thing because there are a lot of people who that's that's the only thing they've got. And and you know, so you have to you have to count that. It is what it is. You're still getting the content. Yeah. Whether you read it with your eyeballs or read it with your ears, who cares? Yeah. It's I, I agree and because also, though, it, it gives you the opportunity to read when you not, otherwise wouldn't be able to read. Yeah, exactly. And I've gotten a lot more into audiobooks since I realized I could download them for free from the library. Yeah. Big fan of that. You, so I'll listen to them and they're Yeah, great. and then you become a fan of certain, uh, some of the voice oh, yeah. actors that do them. The Star Trek ones, or not Star Trek ones, the Star Wars <laughs> ones, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mark Mark Thompson is the guy who reads all of, or most of the Star Wars books. Any of the ones that are kind of male-centric, he reads. And they're amazing. Like, he does the best voices in the business, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and he also did Dark Disciple, which isn't male-centric, but it still was very good. Right. That's, that is true. But, like, some of the other ones, like Leia, Princess of Alderaan, um, Basically, the ones that are told from either Leia or Ahsoka's point of view have been done by uh, female speakers, but all the rest of them are Mark, and he's amazing. Yeah, he is. All right. I have another series, and I didn't Mm -hmm. remember it until I kind of was like looking up some uh, YA series from the 90s, and it was called The Face on the Milk Carton. Did you ever read this? Mm, Maybe. Was it also an after-school special? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it, it could have been. So the premise of it is that this this was back when we used to get milk. I don't know if they still get milk or whatever. I don't know what kids get nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to get milk in milk cartons and there was missing kids on the side of them. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. But yeah. they did for a long time. In fact, I think we talked to one of our... Um, in one of our previous episodes, like one of our very first episodes about getting milk in bags at school... Was that you, or was it somebody we commented talked, on? You it? mentioned it. Oh no, uh, you and maybe Liz Pageant? Maybe was she? Was she? Was I, she did, was I didn't get milk in bags, but I've talk. heard. I didn't get milk in bags either. But a friend of mine was posting milk in bags somewhere the other day, and I was like, "What is that?" But now we had ours were just yeah boxes, I guess. Or actually, no, ours were the the little um, foil top. You remember yeah. the little like barrel shaped juice and they had, I think they had milk similarly packaged. Yeah. So. Well, I remember that the cartons were very hard to open for a small child. Yes. But that's like, <laughs> that's like, that's like how the big box of goldfish is today. It's <laughs> that one you have to peel back and pop it forward and backward. Half the time you just end up ripping half the box to shreds trying to open yep. it as a grown ass adult. <laughs> <laughs> Just want some goldfish crackers. Please give me the goldfish. It's because the ratio was too, it's too big. Anyway, yeah. um, so the face on the milk carton was about this girl that was sitting in class and she's drinking her milk and she looks at the picture on the side and she said, she's like, I remember that girl. That's me. I remember that dress. I remember that hairstyle. And, but she's like, how can it possibly be me? Because... 
I haven't been kidnapped. And so the whole thing goes mm -hmm. uh, through the story with her, like, finding out about um, what she'd forgotten and finding clues like, oh, you know, actually it does kind of make sense because I didn't meet this person until I was older. So yeah. I remember it was kind of a compelling series and it was a mystery and there was three or four books in it and the first one was the best of them, but... Yeah, there was a there was an after school special type series and I think it was like Kelly Martin who played the girl who basically found herself on a milk carton and realized that the mom and dad that she knew the were they were quite a bit older and they had stolen her from her actual mom. Yeah. So Yeah, those I, I noticed that a lot of these books did turn into like a mini series, a TV show or mm -hmm. a movie. Yeah. In fact, well, again, that's where the bucks are. Yeah. You know, if you got kids that are captive audience, then. Yeah. In fact, one of them was The Indian in the Cupboard. Ah, yes. I remember that. The movie. I've seen the movie. Yes. As well. This was back before you, when you were told, before you knew that Indian was not the proper term for a Native right. American. <laughs> because he's like an Iroquois. It's like he, you, we did, we, I think we stopped saying Indian some about five years after they came out. This book, let me see, it came out. I think it was longer than Well, that. <laughs> it was first published in 1980. So, yeah, it was maybe 20 years later. Yep. So, right. I do remember enjoying it, though. And the, um, but the stereotype uh, dialogue and things like that probably weren't accurate or fair. <laughs> well, of course not. I mean... It's it's really hard to judge some of these past books on today's PC standards. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been more sensitive because they absolutely should have been. But again, if we if we go back and do that, everything is trash, you know. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, like I I was trying to read I I'm I'm a huge fan of Michael Crichton, right? Like I read all of his stuff. I really loved him. Um he he died the same day as one of my other favorite authors and it was just like just a bad day. I was like, damn it, where's my books coming from? But I found one of his books for either for real cheap or for free on BookBub one day. And so I downloaded it. I don't even remember which one it was, but I started reading it and I got about 50 pages in and I was like, this book is fucking garbage because they just were, go they, it was set in the very early 80s, maybe very, very late 70s. And they just, Every male character in the book was just getting completely put out because there were women in the workplace and they just, they just didn't know what they were doing or how can they be here? What if they have a period? You know, all this bullshit. I'm like, fuck off. Like, I can't. I oh couldn't my God, even that's get so funny. It. I was like, it was so, yeah, it was so old school and misogynistic that I was like, no, I can't even, can't even go there. <laughs> it's bizarre. So, yeah, it's like Anchorman, the movie or the book. Right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so, you know, some of the other ones that I remember really reading early on series wise were the Amelia Bedelia books. Do you I remember do. those? I and I forgot all about them <laughs> I, until you mentioned it. Yeah, I think these are like readers now, like for like for kids that are just learning to read. So your kindergarten first and second, maybe. Yeah. And and I probably was reading them, those like Bay Bar, those kind of things, like Paddington Bear, like all of these different series that I just really loved as a kid. But I remember Amelia Bedelia, probably the best, because I bought a bunch of these books for Madison when she was starting to read, because I, I remember loving them. And I went back and I was reading these books with her, and I realized 
how ridiculous the series is. Because if you don't remember this, Amelia Bedelia is like, she's like a maid, right? Or like a maid or a nanny or I don't know, something. She yeah. works as a domestic in somebody's house. And they will tell her to do something. And she's 100% literal. So like think Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, right? <laughs> like, so if they tell her, you know, diaper the baby, like she doesn't, like, I don't know, she'll like just wrap the whole baby up in a diaper. Like she doesn't understand that that just means put it on its butt. Like, she's very, very literal. So all of her shenanigans have to do with them telling her to do what we would consider to be very simple things that everyone knows how to do. But she's doing them in an over the top ridiculous way. That just shows like, oh, maybe I need to be a little bit more clear in my instructions for idiots. So <laughs> she's very clear. I, do, I do remember them, though. And I remember as as you started discussing that about where she remembered that she was doing everything literally. I do remember that now. And I can like still picture the illustrations in my head mm-hmm. with the, yep. the crazy hair. Right. She had the hair that kind of stuck out yep. all over. Yeah, she did. She had really crazy hair and she she wore like, you know, what you would think of as like a maid's uniform but like she so that little fake hat you know is basically a ribbon with a little yeah. flip on the end i don't even know what they call that kind of thing yeah but yeah and and honestly they haven't changed at all <laughs> the illustrations are still the same and that's what i love about it it was very simple very clean and very easy for small children to understand yes. so i just love those books and again they just bring back that feeling of childhood and home yeah them. Well, and that one, though, really it like t- it taught you kind of more a lot about the English language and how some things can be taken literally and how how we use some words as a noun and some words as a verb. Yeah, I used to do a similar series because uh, I, you know, I worked in training and development for a lot of years. And one of the classes that I did was a communications class. And we did something kind of along this vein of, you know, we think we're communicating clearly what we mean, but the other person isn't always receiving our message correctly, right? So I say, okay, I want you back to back. I want one person to describe a picture to the other person. I want that person to put it together with the pieces of the picture, you know, so you have to, and then like just looking at what happens when you think you're giving somebody very simple directions, like, is the paper even in the right orientation? You know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's very interesting to think about how much more clear we really need to be in our instructions. Especially since we use pronouns all the time. That could be, mm-hmm. what could be we referring to at this point as that? Yep. Stuff like that. <laughs> it, that, yeah, over there thing. Yeah, exactly. Like all of those things just, we're like, the what? <laughs> Especially if you're in my house, and we're like, you know, the thingamajig over there, the doohickey. Blah, blah, blah. You're like the what? So, so let's let's take a little quick break. So we'll do a break now. You know, between our elementary and like middle school years, and uh, we'll listen to some promos from other awesome friends. Yes, and when we get back, I'll tell you about my Mormon propaganda. Yes. Hey everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares about up against the wall by the fruit trees? Like, where's the dragon? Inside the belly of the dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with Navy Seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come on, you guys. Really. We read it all. 
check us out at Booby Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. And stay tuned for our upcoming holiday series, The 12 Days of Boobsmiths. Have you ever wondered how politics work in the wizarding world of Harry Potter? I'm Adri, a recovering English major and host of Occupolitics. Every week, a special guest joins me to nerd out about the intricacies of politics in Harry Potter, and we go chapter by chapter. Topics have included the politics of labor, surveillance, fear, magical purity, and remembrance. You can find Occupolitics on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other podcatchers. And we're back. All right. So let's let's move on and talk. Do you want to talk about your Mormon propaganda now, or do we need to get further into our discussion? No, no, I think that's good because I think it, it was about junior high, so I think we're in the right time frame. Perfect. But I knew of a book. Now, let me ask you if you had to read it, because I've asked uh, a couple people and they hadn't. So I thought, well, maybe... Uh, it was just an overall propaganda story that they made all junior high kids read. It was called Go Ask Alice. You know what? The name sounds really familiar, but I well, don't. Well, it's also a very famous uh, song, I think. I don't I don't know it from a song, but it sounds familiar. What was the premise? Do you remember? Okay. So it was written by Anonymous, and it was a story about a girl that got addicted to drugs, and it was kind of her journal as she kind of went down this in this downward spiral. No, I don't remember it. Yeah. So, okay, it came out in 1971. So before I was even born. So I, th- I think, so the fact it came out in 1971, it was like in direct relation to like hippies and... Right. Drug uh, culture. Yeah, exactly. And even though she grew up in what I should have figured out was my first issue was I think she grew up in Utah... <laughs> Ah, yeah. Um, she ended up in San Francisco at the end and on like some big drug bender. Mm-hmm. As you do. And the whole thing was very scary. It was a scary coming of age. This is what drugs will do to you book. And it was written as fact and truth and that these were pulled from journals. And then towards the end, they were just found on random scraps of paper because, you know, that's what drug addicts do when they're homeless and destitute. They grab a napkin and start writing <laughs> journaling. At the age, I totally believed it. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, this it was definitely a scared straight type of story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think much more of it afterwards. And I remember it was just really compelling. Like you just saw this girl just destroying her life. So after that, and it was so intriguing, I found out that the same editor went and found another very similar book, uh, a similar journey about a young boy and he getting into uh, satanic and occult rituals. And I, and I thought, wow. So now Go Ask Alice was required reading for me. Mm-hmm. 100% required. Yep. And then Jay's journal was the satanic one. That one was just a bonus. Yes. And I read that (laughs) and it really got a little weird. And Mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, I was old enough to know like, yeah, that's impossible. And it might be because I'm not. uh, I I think at junior high, I was forced to read Hatchet. Like, (laughs) we're not reading Valley of the Dolls. Like, what the crap? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, at my school, they didn't go so subtle as to give us a book to like scare us straight. They just brought in speakers. Oh, yeah. At least once a year, we had some sort of motivational speaker who used to be a drug addict, used to beat his wife, you know, whoever it was. And they would um, just talk and scare everybody straight, you know, like just insanely, you know. Exactly. I guess motivational. Mostly they just screamed at kids. That was yeah. that was pretty much what I remember. Old men standing on a stage screaming. Yeah. So this guy, yeah, the guy that uh, beat him, beat his wife, went to jail, got kicked off of drugs, and now he gets $5,000 to go and speak at schools. He's, right. your, he's your horror story. Yep. <laughs> yep. You are a true, true horror story. Sir. I know. It's like, that's actually nice living you made out there for yourself. <laughs> like if you were a person of color or yeah. a woman these things would not have happened exactly. you would still be on the street <laughs> yeah. i don't know if they had the best motivation no, anyway no. yeah so after i read jay's journal i f- and found the whole thing bullshit is when i found out that anonymous wasn't anonymous and it wasn't true like they said it was true it was just made up by the editor right mm-hmm. and they had the same editor between the two of them but i was like that's absolutely bullshit. Is you get these kids that are young and impressionable and reading and you feed them fake shit as the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm still so annoyed by this. I'm almost as annoyed when I found out Fargo was not really based on a true story. <laughs> you know, I think I think things like this and especially when they try to tout it as a true story and then you find out it's bullshit. I think that really turns a lot of people off and makes you feel like you can't trust a book, you know? Yeah. I mean, don't pretend it's nonfiction when it's fiction. Yeah, I have the same exact issue with Shark Week. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of years ago when they decided to run a Megalodon special and acted like it was an actual thing with news stories and clippings. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if Megalodon had been found in like fucking Greece in spring of 2014, I would have heard about it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that the main issue that I have with it, and I still do, is that it was required reading in school. Yeah, yeah. And that that sounds like a Utah thing. It does. It sounds so much like a Utah thing. So I need to bug Liz Patch and, and see if she had uh, if she had to read. Go ask Alice. Now I th- she's younger than us, so I think. Yeah, yeah. She seems younger than us. She's younger, but I don't think she's massively <laughs> she's, younger. She's cool. She's she's cool. So she's got to be a little bit younger. <laughs> <laughs> we are so not cool. <laughs> oh. But um, I but I don't think I was cool when I was younger either. So I think I was just slightly less awkward or maybe possibly more awkward. Yeah. But also this book being written in 1971 and, you know, the drug thing ended up in San Francisco makes you think, yeah, they're right. talking about hippies. And it was. Well, of course they are. That's the same way that Jenny ended up in Forrest Gump. You yeah. do the hippie shit. You do drugs. You end up in San Francisco. That's what happens. I know. I, you get AIDS and you die. I almost. <laughs> 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 yes, that's how life that's, is. That's what happened in the early 80s. So had that been, book been written 10 years earlier, they would have done the drugs, gone to San Francisco and died of AIDS. Yes, yeah. that's, that's what would have happened in 1981. I know. I'm I I'm in fact, a part of me wants to reread it and see what bullshit's in there, because when you're really young and you have no right. experience with drugs or anything, you don't know how bullshit is. For all I can recall, she may have been just addicted to pot the whole time. Right. She's just a smoker. Yeah. <laughs> she just got a heavy camel addiction. Like, 
I know. Yeah, part of me she, wants to read it now, but part of me she, doesn't want to pay for she it. She eats too much refined sugar. <laughs> That's what it is. Utah. She's oh, a Kool-Aid man. I don't know. Yeah, the, I don't. Now that I live in California, everything smells like pot. And I'm like, I kind of would prefer it be illegal again. Right. It yeah, smells yeah. so bad all the time. Right. And it is, I remember getting so many when I'm back when I smoked and I'd come out here on vacation, like you'd get these like nasty oh, yeah. looks. And I was like, I thought they made it illegal to even smoke outside in California. Like, how, what was that turnaround? Is it still illegal to smoke cigarettes? Like, I, I, I don't know. I know in my apartment complex, completely against every rule to smoke cigarettes, but pot free for all, all. day long. Yeah. Right. And uh, I find it bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I mean, if you're gonna smoke one thing, you should be able to smoke the other, especially when one has been legal forever. Like <laughs> dum da dum dum. Anyway, so okay, let's talk about some books we actually read and enjoyed in our okay middle school, early teen years. Hey, I'm oh, not we- saying I didn't enjoy Go Ask Alice. I just thought it was real. <laughs> and then when reality got, I just felt so betrayed by my education. Yep. yep. You, you let me down, book. You let me down. <laughs> I blame the teachers. I do, too. They should have known better. Or they should have prefaced with, this is a story of what could happen. Yeah. If you're really in trouble. So, I don't know. Now, we didn't talk about Nancy Drew, and I did love Nancy Drew. Uh, I did, through, too. You know, through through elementary school and junior high. But when I really got into Nancy Drew was actually the Nancy Drew Files. And I swear to God, there was a new book every month Yeah, in this series. And this was, she was older. She was in high school. She had a boyfriend. And like, I look, ooh. And she's dangerous. In fact, I think one of them, she was actually in college and went back to high school to undercover Solve for something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I read I read Nancy Drew. I read some of the Hardy Boys. I think the ones I was reading were like the older ones from like the 60s or 70s or whatever. Um, yeah, they were cool. Then, yeah, I like I enjoyed them. But those ones, they really hit me younger because yeah, they, they did. They were a little simpler, right? Well, the ones that I had were like ones that my mom had left yeah. over or that one of my aunts had left behind or something. The yellow like that. and black. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I read those. I remember reading The Boxcar Children as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, something about Encyclopedia Brown. Do you remember that one? He was like a sleuth. Encyclopedia Brown. I can't believe you read. You were talking about that because I'd completely forgotten all about that. But that dude was Mormon. And so I thought that that was a <laughs> only Mormons read that book. So I'm very excited. No, I read I read the crap out of that book. Yeah. He was a sleuth. That's there was one point him, in but... which he went to the Zion's Corporate Mercantile Center, which was the ZCMI, which was the Mormon department store. Very exciting. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not pick up on that propaganda. <laughs> uh, but that book somehow came across my path and I read it. But I think for me, starting junior high, or let's say like fifth grade on, because that's kind of when I started babysitting was right around 10, 11 years old, yeah. uh, was the Babysitter Club yep. books. And, um, you know, I started with the, the very first one, the Christie's Big Mouth. I don't know what it was actually called, but it's, <laughs> I still remember like the, how this book goes and all of this other stuff. And I think I read almost every single one of those when they got to the later years and like the, the younger girls kind of coming in and getting their own stories. I was a little bit bored with them. I didn't give a shit about Jesse and Dawn. So I just, <laughs> or Mallory and Dawn. I don't know. I didn't yeah. care. But I love these books. 
I always wanted to be cool like Claudia Kishi and have two different earrings and funky mismatch socks. And I swear to God, I was at uh, I was at a restaurant yesterday with some friends and this group of girls came in and they were probably in there. I don't know. It's probably 30 ish. 25, 30, I don't know, somewhere in there. And they're all dressed up in 80s garb, right? So it's a birthday party because one of the girls got a banner on. You can tell it's a birthday. But it's clearly like the the clown's version of what they think the 80s were actually like. Because I was like, you know what? The only people who actually dress like people dress when they do 80s parties were like Madonna. Yeah. Somebody who was like super out there, Cindy Lauper, somebody who just had – a persona like none of us dress like that on yeah big hair shoulder pads yes units all of those things. oh units absolutely a thing i'm glad you remember them nobody else ever knows what they are oh my god units were the greatest and then you know everybody's i had all uh, tons of different units because you can mix and match them i had one i had one set <laughs> you know That's what my, though this is as fat as my mom would go one yeah well a lot of the um uh, a lot of the people, my friends' moms and stuff, would make that that make the equivalent in patterns yeah. and stuff. We we need to do an episode on like fashion of our nostalgic fashion or something, or you know, bad fashion of the eighties yes. and nineties. Right? I mean, re- awesome. wearing. Um, but I'll tell you, a lot of units remind me of like the Lulu Rose stuff, except for yeah, except <laughs> yes. for there's no belts. Like the belts were a big thing. There was always a belt. That- the belts were big. And honestly, at my age, I could use a belt like that. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And, and you can also be... They're very flattering and they hide a lot of problem areas. Yes. So. And you can use it also as a hair uh, headband. Scrunchy, yes. You or could use it as a lot sh- of things. Or you a could mini- use it as a dress. Yeah. Uh, a mini skirt. Yep. Yeah. Okay. They should bring units back. But I think you're right. I think it is just LuLaRoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I think is also a Mormon thing. Just is it, it out there? If I want to surprise, I think, I think it might be. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the Babysitters Club. I actually was inspired to start my own Babysitters Club because I am a giant fucking dork. Um, so like, my mom made us go get certified. I got and, certified too. Yeah, had a certified babysitter with the what was it? The American uh, Red Cross. Yeah, basically, the Red Cross had a life saving babysitting certification course that you had to take yeah where you learned cpr and, and stuff yeah yeah I learned cpr i learned how to make a teddy bear that wouldn't choke a kid like there was, was just all sorts of things i had to do and, and how to call somehow that made me yes it made me a much more desirable babysitter for weird parents willing to let an 11 year old watch their small child yeah it didn't work so. for me by the way so oh, because I apparently Mormon parents do not like letting their kids stay with non-Mormons. I guess we're going to influence them to do the go ask Alice drugs or whatnot. Oh, of course you are. I mean, they're in the book. Yeah. You know, if you just lift that back cover, there's drugs in the book. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I love those books. And I will say when I was probably 30, I ran across a blog because this was the age of blogging. And this girl was going back through all of the Babysitter's Club books and reading them and then talking about them via her blog. And she had found somebody had posted basically a link to every one of the books that somebody had uploaded online via Scholastic. Oh, wow. I think they found it towards the end of this lady's blog life and and like took it down but in the meantime, I may or may not have listened or like 
downloaded and read every one of those books again while I was working one day. Uh So so I went back and read them. And again, you know, you start to really go, God, I'm old because I really I'm with the parents on this one. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, what's wrong with you? Yeah, that is a bad decision. You're right. Christy, all your ideas are crap. Just sit down and shut up. Yeah, I wonder. It's always Christy. Yeah, you know, and, and since we read Harry Potter is such late, is so much later in life than most people did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm exactly. sure that you know when we, you go back and listen to our book clubs and we talk about how stupid Ron and Harry are for doing this or whatever, you yep. know that yep. if we read it at the proper age, we're like, oh no, it makes total sense to steal that car and go to Hogwarts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We talked about that with our episode with Randy, yeah. which, by the way, everybody has just given us really awesome reviews on. Oh, they perfect. loved having Randy on the show. And we did, too. He was awesome. He was awesome. So. And then next time, we're going to just make him do it the whole time as Hagrid. Yep. Yep. The whole thing. We were busting up within the first 15 seconds. Yeah. It was amazing. So the next big series, and really, these were probably the two series that I read up until let's say the beginning of like the end of middle school, like high school, like I said, I moved much more into the Stephen Kings and Dracula, you know, things like that, that were a little bit more, you know, adult than, you know, kid interview with a vampire. Yeah. All of those. So it was uh, like uh, the babysitter's club and then the sweet Valley twins slash sweet Valley high books. Cause you know, they started out in junior high and they were just the twins. Went to high school, and then it became Sweet Valley High. Yeah, and I never could get into it. I don't know why. Oh, I, I read every... Those were ones I was reading in the back of the B. Dalton bookstore laying on a shelf. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, they're great. I don't remember shit about them other than one twin was always good and did what she was supposed to, and the other one was super wild and was always getting in trouble. And Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember very little about it. I do remember reading some of the books, be- but once it became Sweet Valley High, I really wasn't into it. And I yeah. knew that they were in my junior high school library. And I just, I don't know why I never could finish them. So I kept returning them. Meh. It happens. So what were some of your middle school books? Oh my God. Everything Christopher Pike. So it started with Chain Letter, which is the book version of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. It scared me so much. <laughs> and so it was, I mean, it, it was the exact same story as I know what you did last summer. They accidentally hit some guy, thought he was dead and buried him. And then, right. and then he comes back to try and get him. And yeah. the very first like challenge that they made him do was to drown somebody's puppy. Oh, it was terrible. That's awful. I know. I'm not reading that one. Yeah, it was it was super scary. And then but there was a whole bunch that he did. He had a chain letter series, so I read all of those. And then he had a bunch of other series, but I I only wrote down the the chain letter one cuz that was the one that got me into these scary ones that Christopher Pike did. Oh, he's so scary. And it was like <laughs> I don't remember him at all. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that it was, you know, you're in junior high and he's writing like he's like you're in high school or even right. early college. But Really, it was still for junior high. And you were like, oh, my God, I'm reading this. Stuff. I was reading like this grown up book. I'm reading something I shouldn't be reading. Yeah. It's like these people. Like me and my like chick lit romance novels. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> these, well, these high school kids, they drink on the weekends and have stuff. Oh, my gosh. They smoke. Yeah. 
That one smokes. He's dangerous. I, I read a lot of these books that are written for kids, and I swear to God, if somebody smokes or drinks, <gasps> they are just the worst. And everyone, they're totally just an outcast. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you though. I'm like fuck off. After, with the exception of all of the Christopher Pike books and stuff like that, so now they were very. They were they were small. They're about half the size of a Stephen King book, but they all had the whole picture that covered the entire book, except for there was always mm-hmm. like something bright neon on it. And every time one of those books came out, man, I devoured them. I loved them. I also had a whole bunch of Sweet Valley High because I got one once a month uh, from family members. So not Sweet Valley ah. High. I'm sorry. Nancy Drew Files. So mm, yes. it was like, oh, these Nancy Drew files are so kitty, but I still read them all. <laughs> yeah. When I got into junior high, like I think I read The Hobbit again because I'd read it as a kid, but, you know, read a little bit more. Um, I'm trying to think of books that we did because I was always in like advanced reading classes or whatever. Yeah. We did Wrinkle in Time. Yep. We did that one. We did like a bunch of like Pocahontas and other in. Well, we we did a lot of books. Like we did one that was called um, "My Brother Sam Is Dead," and it was about what? That was the name of the book. That's Spoilers! The the book. It was about a Revolutionary War soldier. Oh, did you watch it? Did you read "Winter of My German Soldier"? Nope. Oh. So we we did that one, and there was another one that I could not remember what it was until I had to like, I, it flashed in my head, like what happens in the book. And I had to Google it to remember what it was called. I am the cheese. Do you ever read this book? No, I've never. So there's this, this book, this kid, and I'm going to spoil it here. So if you don't want to know about, I am the cheese, move on and skip, <laughs> you know, skip ahead to the next section. So I, there's, we're reading this book about this kid and he's riding a bicycle and he's got all these adventures and he's just a bicycle, blah, blah, blah. At the end, you find out the kid is riding a bicycle around a mental institution. What? And the whole thing was like in his head. And like, wah, wah. like that was one of those, like, I think we're we're watching this book. And like, that's the one where I felt like the book betrayed me. Yeah. Right? Like, you're like, motherfucker. That is not what I was looking for at all. Well, I can. That's awful. I can totally see why a teacher, though, would bring that in there. Like, look mm-hmm. at things as a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, I think we read about the lady and the tiger, you know, about this time. I also read Animal Farm in the seventh grade, oh, which, yeah. by the way, came back up again in like eight, ninth or tenth grade. It was like, why? You read it twice? Already, yeah, I was like, we already read this in seventh grade. Why am I having to do it again? I'm like, I don't have to read it again. What a bunch of bullshit. That move. I hate that book. Yeah, we did Wrinkle in Time mm-hmm. uh, in junior high, Scarlet Letter. Yep. All I think the, we did Scarlet Letter in ninth grade. Yeah. And To Kill a Mockingbird. Yep. To Kill a Mockingbird. Definitely. Yeah. That's when I learned that like people from the South were awful. That's what they, yeah. that's what I took oh, away yeah. from that. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I grew up in the South and so I knew people were awful, but not to the extent that they are in fact awful. Like I knew a level of awful, but I didn't know the reality of awful. Yeah. And then I realized that a lot of my family was the reality of awful. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that, oh, that's not okay. So live and learn, kids. I have to learn that people in the South are not awful. It's just to kill a mockingbird does not help your cause. It does not. There, yeah. there were a lot of people, especially in that day, that were just fucking awful. But, you know, <laughs> they're all dead. So, yep. 
All right. Let's hope. Very good. So, yeah, I don't have any more other than the ones that were required. I think that we're about at the age when I just stopped reading for until until college required it. Yeah, I I probably slowed down around this time as well because there were so many different books that we had to read. And then when I got into high school, if I wasn't reading like a Stephen King novel, I wasn't reading. And I certainly wasn't reading a lot of what was required of me in school. I uh, I relied heavily on Cliff's notes and <laughs> my incredible ability to bullshit my way through any sort of written essay. Yeah. Like to well, the that- point where my teachers were writing on my essays. They're like, I know that you did not read this book, but you made a really good argument. So, A. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't read most of them. I really did. Like when we went back and read Pride and Prejudice and Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, that was one I was supposed to have read in high school. Didn't. I know for a fact the only part of Great Expectations that I read was the opening 45-minute uh, preamble first sentence that is three pages long. Well, there Literally, you no punctuation for three pages. One <laughs> sentence. And because we had to memorize like a good portion of it. Yeah. That's the get- only part of that book I read. I don't know. I've totally bullshitted my way through AP English all the way through college, all the way up into college. Yeah, we didn't have to read any, like, great literature. Everything that we read was entirely American written. Nope. When I was, when I was in, uh, when I was in school, I was in AP English classes. So we had to do all of these extra things. Yeah. But I will tell you, like, we had to do senior research, or we had to do a junior research paper and a senior one, the entire school. Like, every, every junior, every senior had to do these specific type of research papers. Yeah. And for the regular class i guess the non non-advanced classes they had they were like assigned a book and it was some piece of great literature right well with the with the advanced classes the ap classes we got to pick whatever we wanted to do so my, my junior book was on uh stephen king's firestarter i did a, a whole 20 page research paper on firestarter and then uh, my senior one was on Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we had yeah, to do. Yeah, it was do, amazing. I think this, I don't even think it was my, I didn't have to take English my senior year. I had enough English. Um, so it was my junior year that we had to, we were required to do one of the top 100 uh, report from a book, like a biography, on one of the top 100 people of all time. And there could be no repeats. And you do Mary Kay Ash. She's on that list. Of all time? Yeah. All right. Well, Martin... Or she was. I don't know if she still is. Yeah. But. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't on the list. Uh, but a couple people kept fighting over Martin Luther, thinking it was the same person. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, ha- I got Buddha. I thought that was awesome. Mm. Very uh, nice, very nice. Yeah, but uh, there was also a fight over Jesus Christ. Everybody wanted Jesus Christ. Mm-mm. And so I'm like, that's too easy. There's books about him readily available. Just the Bible. <laughs> just quote the Bible all the way through. Who's yeah. it's, who's going to turn you down? It's Utah. Yeah. I did good on mine, though. I, I, talked, I talked to nice things about Buddha. Yeah. That sounds interesting to me. I would read that. Yeah, it was a good book. I don't remember. I don't remember. Who, I believe it was called Buddha. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of these books, I, I would say that this, again, kind of made me the bookworm that I am today to where I really want to 
read everything I can get my hands on. Now I pretty much read everything I can get for free. Yeah. <laughs> so I do end up reading a whole lot of kind of trashy romance novels because they, they give them away constantly. And I'm a fan of free because I'm incredibly cheap. Yeah. And when you read 80 books a year, you cannot, I, I fiscally cannot afford to go out and buy 80 books at you know, price, full yeah. retail price. Like it's just, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. So between the library and the free books that I can download online and just random things that people give me, then, you know, that's what I end up reading a lot of. And it's fine. I enjoy it. It's, it's not, it's not going to cure cancer, but it passes the time, you know? Yeah. I re- I've been reading, a, I read a lot of like chick lit written by Irish uh, authors a lot. I like Sophie Quintanella and uh, Marion Keys. And the problem is they keep sneaking in like really impactful and important things. And mm. this last one I've started turns out to be way too big of a book. Mm. And it's all about like physical abuse yeah. Like, oh, I thought that this, and then the, like one of the main characters, an alcoholic, and I was just like, oh, I mm. thought this was going to be a lighthearted, fun read where we get laughing. <laughs> really? like, no, no. Like, I started one last night that I finished up this afternoon. Like, I just, you know, if they're good and I read them and don't want to put them down, then that's, you know, that's engaging my mind, regardless of if it's slightly smutty or not. It's fine. All right, it's all good. It's all good. All right. I've got an internet quote today. Sweet. It came from Twitter. Ah, we love the Twitters. Actually, yes, it came from Twitter. It says, when I die and y'all go through my search history, you'll be disappointed to find mostly just definitions for every common word that I wasn't sure I was using correctly. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I do it too. Or words that look wrong. Yeah. You know, like they, did I misspell this? word and it's a common word but when you look at it long enough yeah. it just looks wrong and you have to go double check yeah anyone that's uh, like rhythm rhythm always gets me yeah there's a lot of them like i do i do a lot of editing the you know like uh document editing and so yeah. uh, you know again you just start staring at things long enough and they just look weird even the word podcast looks weird you know when you look at yep. it over and over again so good times yeah so does so does continuous there's way too many using it <laughs> right so, okay, so by the time this posts, we should have already selected our listener's choice topic. So thank you to anybody who has sent those to us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so we'll, we'll announce what it is, I guess, when we do it. And then coming yep. up after that, we're actually going to have another guest on. So that'll be our third guest in 2019. And I think that's already eclipsed all of 2018. Our third guest. Yeah. Who was our first guest? First guest. Remember, Mandy was here when we did oh, our yeah. we did the first part Sorry, of Mandy. our <laughs> we did the first part of our movie review. Mandy was here with us. Mandy from Castro. Yes. And then we had Randy. So we had Mandy and Randy, and now we're going to have Jennifer. So okay, she broke the Andy uh, cycle. Good because it was getting kind of weird. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. So maybe we can call her Jandy. I don't know. We won't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So anyways, yeah, um, that's all for us today, right? Yep, that's it. So uh, catch you guys next week, and we're going to have some topics for you, and we'll get going. All right, we'll see you next time. Want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. 
From not your basic bitch to rock star bitch, we have a monthly plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship. In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we will also donate 20% of all net profits each month to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. Music provided by www.bensound.com and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. Because you know that's what drug addicts do when they're homeless and destitute. They grab a napkin and start writing journaling. <laughs>